0: Welcome to Small Business Marketing, Then, and Now. A conversation with small business owners on how they marketed the launch of their business, the evolution since then, and how they have pivoted during this COVID 19 period. Brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. More leads, more sales, and more revenue for your small or medium sized business. Click findnewrevenue.com to learn more. Now, here's your host, Howard Walpoff.
1: Welcome back to Small Business Marketing Then and Now. I'm Howard Walpuff, your host. And again, this is brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. Today, we're going to talk a little about the magic of marketing, or at least bringing magic into marketing. Uh, Joe M. Turner is my guest. He's from Turner Magic and Keynotes, and he has found ways to market magic and also use magic in marketing. So, Joe, welcome to the conversation.
0: Thanks, Howard. Great to be
1: here. So, you have a very interesting story of how you got involved in making magic your full-time business. So why don't you tell us a little about how you got started? (laughs) Well,
0: uh, magic, like it is for most people in in the magic world, we kind of have it as a hobby when we're kids and we do or don't come back to it later in life. Uh, I was working after having studied to be a physics teacher. And then working professionally in the musical theater for a while, I took a job as a management consultant. And so I worked in uh, what is now Accenture uh, for six years doing change management consulting, and then went and did similar things at Bank of America for a couple of years. And somewhere along the line, magic kind of came back into my world and I started doing little tricks for people, at, you know, the kids at church or whatever. And uh, bit by bit, it sort of became a a hobby that sustained itself on nights and weekends for me. And as the latter part of the 20th century came to a close and we were in sort of dot-com bursting and that sort of thing, uh, Bank of America asked me to move to Charlotte. And I didn't really want to go to Charlotte. Not I love Charlotte. Charlotte's a wonderful town. But we live in Atlanta, and we loved our neighborhood and our you know church and our pool and everything, really, except I didn't care for that job very much, and I didn't want to chase it. So I thought I would do something else. Well, economically, nobody was really hiring a lot at that time, certainly not at the, the salary that I was used to. And I said, well, uh, I'll just keep doing magic for a while and see what happens. And as long as I was going to have to take a pay cut anyway, I might as well uh, explore taking what had been a part-time business as to my full-time profession. So that's how I came into doing magic as a profession. I wish I could say it was the culmination of a master plan, but it was not. It was sort of an interesting
1: thing to do at the time. And during those periods, it's always better for your state of mind to find something you really enjoy because there, there really are challenging times when the, when the economy turns and you can't find that right job. Right. It's, it, that's true. It had given me joy
0: to, to, to do something fun and to sort of scratch that performer itch that I still had from my theater days and, and even teaching days so I liked the idea of being in front of people and and giving them something enjoyable to do and I struggled to find ways to to build it into a a business Uh, I had never had to sell anything before I had always just sort of shown up for work and did whatever I was told to do by the the powers that be the partners who had sold the project so those early days I was really learning to market myself you know, I, I just, like every totally uninformed person coming into the business world, I thought, well, maybe if I just get some business cards and hang out a shingle, the phone will ring and and people will need what I do because obviously uh, everybody should have this kind of entertainment. And it, it took uh, several years for me to learn to go to networking events and promote myself and have, you know, a reasonably good website and... Um, social media didn't exist quite in the same way in those days, but to to have an online presence, uh, you know, it was a learning process. It's been 20 years since I started. So
1: So still going back to that time, what what did it take to get that first client? Well, the first thing I did was leverage
0: the people I already knew and go to them and say, I'm making this change in my life in order to be successful I need to have your help as to my marketing team and I just went b- back to people I had known from high school and college and my job and my neighborhood and my church and everything and just started asking f- openly for help and maybe I, I Didn't really know exactly what I was doing and whether that was the right thing to do or the right way to do it, but people started calling me and suggesting me for this birthday party or this uh, afternoon tea or this Cub Scout event. And so I was doing magic strictly for entertainment purposes in those days. No marketing or teaching or anything. It was just book me to do a show. And I finally got a call from a guy in Atlanta who was putting together a conference, uh, kind of a small business networking conference, uh, one weekend and asked me if I'd like to do strolling magic, sort of person-to-person, group-to-group entertaining magic, during the mass reception, you know, breakout times of uh, of this conference. And I said, sure, that, that sounds great. We worked it out. And that was my introduction to small business networking, which transformed my business at that time, uh, learning to go meet people and, and generate not leads but contacts, uh, people who knew what I did, who liked me to some degree, who trusted to that I would deliver the goods if they recommended me to someone they knew. And so that's where... I started my real education and that was probably two years in to, to having done this full time. Uh, for the first two years, God just took mercy on me. <laughs> and, and then a couple years later, I learned to do the small business marketing. The first big project I did was a combination of that and having dropped some business cards off at a magic shop in, at, in Atlanta and one day my phone rang and it was this marketing company that later became part of clear channel entertainment And they said we're doing a project with coca-cola and riff reading is fundamental and would you be interested in proposing uh, for this project and we discussed it and it was great It, it was to have that happen in the you know two years into my business and to have a project come across my transom that had theater and consulting and training and directing and acting and and business and magic and everything all of these elements to it I mean it was the perfect project for me and I I am confident that the proposal I submitted was very different than the proposal they got from any other magician they asked to propose because I knew how to write a good proposal from my consulting days and how to plan and what's this timeline going to look like and how are we going to source all of these props for these 18 trucks that you want to send across America for two years doing a show and how are we going to liquidate them at the end And, oh, here's how we're going to handle the education elements of this. Here's how we're going to teach and use magic to promote reading. So that was the first big project I got. My only regret is that I had no real understanding of how valuable what I did was. And I woefully undercharged. Woefully undercharged them. I will not even give the numbers. But it's embarrassing how how badly, I undervalued myself. But then again, that was a good lesson too, um, to come out of it.
1: And it always is. A lot of times, especially when you're starting out, you're afraid to give a big number. And sometimes you don't know that your number is too small. And it's a lot of a guessing game until you you kind of figure out what that's... Uh, line of, of payments really should be so it, 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 there are a lot of people who have those those types of challenges yeah challenges my
0: my business is so niche that i can't really do the same kind of market research on pricing that i could if i sold a commodity or something that a lot of people offered or a service that was more widely available um, if you put out feelers to find out what people are charging in my business they're going to you know it's very obvious there's just not 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 so many and it's just it's kind of not done in some ways it's just not taboo but we all charge what we think we're worth and we don't have the same kind of um, pressures on our offerings that people who sell very specific products do Um, people don't it's just a different kind of market, uh, a very different kind of service, even. So uh, I learned, I learned from that and have have done much better. I will say that at the
1: time it was a big number to me.
0: Yes, it, I just didn't realize
1: what it was supposed to be. And and that's a lot of times you think, <laughs> okay, I, there's no way you can say yes to this number, and they say yes because it's it's the bottom level of what their number was going to be, but you don't know that, and that comes from experience. Well, know? and. What I
0: didn't get in dollars from that project, I got in credibility. With uh, being able to point to that, I won. I won an award uh, for the work I did on that project. There's a, a marketing award called the Reggie Award, uh, and I, I won a Reggie for promotional marketing, uh, a promotional event. Uh, the project won the award, but. Um, So uh, to be able to have an in at Coca-Cola and an in at this uh, what became Clear Channel, I I got to do other work later. So it was worth it. It, I I don't mean to say it was just this. It was a wonderful learning experience. And I learned a lot about trying to uh, understand my true worth to a client and to be willing to to say so uh, when it's necessary.
1: Uh, But I also got some great contacts out of it. I have to imagine just being on a, on, a, on such a large scale event like that, and it really was, uh, as, as you're saying, a, a building block to the future for you. And now you had that accolade to uh, to uh, have on your mantle, and you have uh, and and be able to share it with people as part of your marketing of yourself. And uh, and this really, it's it's amazing when this does happen, and fantastic when people can grow. From it and what they can implement from the different pieces of that. So now you are much more um, established and experienced in what you're doing. As it, what and you now have contacts is definitely is helping with the with with bringing in the leads and the and the contracts for you. But what other different things were you doing at this point moving forward?
0: Well, um, that of course was almost twenty years ago. So. Uh, a lot of the contacts that I had in organizations two decades ago are no longer there, having moved on, retired, and so on and so forth. But I try to keep in touch with a lot of them uh, through LinkedIn. Uh, and so yes, keeping, uh, just cultivating those relationships the best way you can. Uh, you know, it was important before COVID. It's impo- it's maybe even more important now. The services that I provide have changed. Uh, and I will say they didn't really, um, I didn't stop doing magic as entertainment. I still offer shows strictly for the fun of entertaining an audience. But some of my clients over the years found out about my prior experiences and asked me to use what I do to start uh, introducing topics to their audience. For example, I remember one group, it was an engineering group, and they were having me out to entertain but uh, it was a morning meeting i said you know our our conference is about this topic can you introduce can you use magic and do some sort of kickoff that introduces this topic in some way and you know light bulbs are going off in my head because i had been hired to use magic to sell things at trade show exhibits or at product launches but now even in a, a more event conference speaking event kind of uh, of a circumstance I was being asked to use what I do to introduce content and that was that was a turning point for me I didn't instantly flip to being a speaker but over the years I started using magic more and more not just to entertain but also to maybe share Something important about the association that I was speaking to or to emphasize something they had done for their members or for their community and Dropping messaging into the way I present uh, Did give me the ability to add a lane as a speaker and instead of sharing their content share my content about what does it mean to create? amazing experiences for an audience and if you're a salesperson or a marketing professional or a leader or someone in charge of the branding or messaging for an organization, then how to create amazing experiences and what the parallels from the theater to the business world are, that's really, that's fun content, but it's valuable content. And so I started to pursue that as a speaker and uh, that definitely, it was an added lane to, to the services that I could bring to the market
1: which is always important for business owners to find new revenue streams. You want to make sure that you're maximizing the ones that you're using, but also keep growing to make sure your business is sustainable as, as time goes on. And it's fantastic that you found that lane, which again, you, you really came into this with a lot of different talents and experiences that you are obviously as time evolved building on and then implementing into your, uh, your, your, what you're providing to people.
0: I, I, and that's absolutely true. I would say that it's even more critical during times of uh, economic turmoil. I I really started adding a lot more oomph to my speaking side at the last recession. You know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine when people didn't really want to be seen spending money on entertainment which was perceived as maybe a little superfluous or wasteful or even if they had the funds they didn't want other people to see them spending it on something entertainment wise but if I had content to offer them that was more on the educational or inspirational side that had a a different kind of value a different kind of perception and so Necessity being the mother of of invention, I started putting those kinds of offerings out there more frequently. the The memory training seminar that I do, other like skill building, or or I I don't. Personally, care for the motivational speaker label, but I get it. I know that's sort of the broad label that a lot of people use. But the idea that I have something that people can learn and apply to the way they do business, whether they're an entrepreneur or a corporate leader, that there are lessons about the way we communicate and deliver experiences to an audience, that parallel between the stage and the marketplace that's that's useful and so that helped me survive and grow and continue to work through the last downturn and even this downturn I'm learning to adjust add lanes deliver things differently find new ways to go to the market um, in the place that they are now compared to the place they were a year ago so it's like it's a constant it's a constant struggle but as a small business person or as small business people, I think we're better equipped to respond quickly than many of the larger kinds of uh, companies or or uh, massive organizations. Uh, we can we can add something really quickly. You know, it takes me a day to put something new on my website.
1: <laughs> yeah, the corporation might be much much longer than that. The whole process <laughs> yeah. of thought to implementation to to every other person checking on it and and but. Talking about now, this really was a, a much more of a pivot than you've had before, because now these live events aren't happening. I'm sure you had live events that you were scheduled for that either have been canceled, postponed until the somewhat of the future, or have spun into something that's more virtual. And this takes you into really this new lane of, of doing your, uh, your presentations uh, virtually to people. So how, how did that evolve from the in the from the first one and how are things evolving as these last three four months have gone on
0: yeah i yeah everything for this year pretty much evaporated by the end of march um it it was frightening and i've kind of resisted saying that i've pivoted i i've tried to focus on the idea that i'm adding to what i do and not exactly changing what i do not not changing my goal or my direction, but just adding different ways to get there, and switching or or adding virtual delivery to what I do has been um, it's been great. But I think I got a jump on it. Uh, I remember back in March and early April, many people in my industries, magic and speaking, were very reticent, and I think we were all hoping this would be a lot shorter term interruption than it has turned out to be. Uh, But I kind of jumped in. I went to the technology graveyard in my basement uh, where old webcams and laptops and things that we used to use but don't use anymore because we got something else and pulled out and found some, uh, you know, a webcam that I hadn't really thought about in a while, okay, wait, I can use that, and I have a microphone stand with a boom on it that I can attach it to, and so I just learned uh, and said, well, let's, Let's do the old Apollo 13 thing. You know, we're in the room and we're going to dump out the box of all of the stuff that we have to work with and see if we can find a way to solve a problem using these tools. And and let's be creative and productive and figure it out. So at the beginning of April, I started a virtual show, a ticketed event on Zoom where people could buy tickets, get the link, come into my Zoom room, and I do an hour show interactive right here this uh I'm in my office right now in front of a background a, a curtain it's not virtual it's a real thing i put a i've created a studio basically in my office and i started doing that show now do i like being the producer of a show no it's all bats about, about ticket sales that's not the business that i want to be in but it's the business i'm currently in uh because that's i mean i still have private events and things that i'm doing because this This virtual ticketed show that I'm doing has become kind of my business card that, hey, I'm capable and and good at doing virtual. And people that come to my shows see it, tell other people. I get inquiries. I've I've done, you know, legal events. And a private club in New York last week hired me to do magic as just a show. It was not even... Not really a speaking engagement; it was entertainment, but with a with a message. And I've been going out for morale and team building and encouragement events for organizations that want to reward their teams for their resilience and their and their perseverance through challenges and uh, how they're dealing with change. Well, hey, I'm a change management consultant who does something entertaining and can script well. So I'm. I'm pretty well set to do those kinds of events. Uh, I got a call uh, an email from the New York Times later in April who had heard about my show and I was like this arts and culture reporter said well I can I come to your show. And I, was like, I do my show from a sub from my office in my house in the suburbs of Atlanta. You want to come to my show you're a theater Reporter for the times said no no no, I'm doing a report on virtual performance particularly in magic and I found you through googling aha so again marketing lesson right there doing your thing doing something creative as quickly as you can 80% is good 80 20 rule get it 80% great start telling people about it, invite people to see it. The first people that came to see the first two or three shows I did were all family, friends, people from church, people, you know, neighborhood. It's all the people that want you to be great anyway. All your Facebook friends want you to be fantastic. And so that that happened and she was able to find me through Googling. She came to the show. She went to about 10 different virtual magic shows across the country. Uh, maybe more, but 10 ended up in this final article that she wrote, which was mainly a review of a show she was at- assigned to review out of California. And the, the the stinking thing came out. I was expecting maybe a poll quote or something I could blog about, something I could use. And she had something snarky to say about every show, some little dig about every show This that it wasn't, what it was supposed to be in some and I try to just tell myself you know this is a jaded Manhattan theater reporter who has been trapped in her home for eight weeks she's out of wine <laughs> you know there's there's it was gonna be a hard sell anyway but here's the other marketing lesson after it was over I wrote her an email anyway and I thanked her for including me in her project. Even I didn't mention anything about how she had said anything not quite so kind about anybody. I just thanked her. I said it was really great to be part of your research and to be part of your article and thank you for including me. And two weeks later I was recommended in the New York Times. I got a recommendation for my show that appeared in the Sunday Times in a calendar of upcoming events and that was actually presented by another writer who she had talked to the previous writer and it said you know enjoy the show uh, a New York Times culture reporter thinks it's worth the ticket and so I, I emailed that writer and I said thank you for including me in this that was totally unexpected and she said oh i think i think our audience will enjoy your show and in my heart i'm like well, why didn't you put that in the article to start with <laughs> and said but the follow up the follow through even when it didn't turn out the way that i wanted to uh, i wanted it to i think just that consistent relationship building with both of those people and trying to be grateful and show gratitude to them, I think it paid off. I can't prove it, but I think it paid off. As far as I know, I'm the only one of the 10 or 12 people in that original article who got any kind of follow-up recommendation.
1: So, And that's fantastic. It's a really great lesson in what the payoff could be if you follow up with something polite. The, 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 the days of writing the thank you note are not dead. Um, I think there's, there's there's methods of doing the handwritten one. Um, I think yep. there's the for those who are challenged with handwriting, the email can be sufficient, if not better, to be the, based on who's receiving it. I, I, uh, I you're absolutely right. I've
0: used send out cards and online ways of doing physical notes. I've done handwritten notes. All of our interactions had been online and
1: very clipped, so I chose to do it that way. It paid off. You're right. which is fantastic because, because we do not know how long this period is going to be. Uh, we do not know if even after let's call it the coast is clear and everyone's able to go out and interact how much value there's going to be to continue to do things online. So, uh, so you, you definitely have a, uh, a leg up on, on many others who have not been referred to by the New York times to, uh, for people to check out what they're doing, uh, Virtually, and uh, it's it's great that uh, this is a, a means to uh, to to keep your business growing. Well, I've been able to take what I learned, change
0: change the show. I've added, I've taken my memory training seminar and put it online. I've done things where you know people can buy tickets to come to my training or my show. But I'm also partnering with other people. Uh, I have a, a thing coming up in August with someone I met doing virtual networking uh, who's based in New Jersey and she teaches LinkedIn uh, training and we're and I'm gonna do my memory seminar and we're doing a tag team event and we're selling tickets to that. So this is a new way to deliver content. It's a new way to create content and value. It's a new way to collaborate with other people. Uh, all of the things that we used to do when we were networking in person, all of that's still absolutely important. We're just able to do
1: it with people in different cities now. And which really grows everyone's uh, business in, in so many ways that never were planned for, but are obviously exciting and appreciated. So yeah. since you are not limited to the Georgia area, what is, uh, what is the best way for people get in contact with you? Obviously to, to share in, in learning from you, having ability to, uh, to see your shows and to really have you take part in the marketing that they're doing and creating at this point?
0: Well, my website is turnermagic.com and it has links to um, my various social outlets. I'm easily discoverable on Facebook, Joe M. Turner Speaker Entertainer. Uh, Twitter, Turner Magic, Instagram, Turner Magic, all of that. I mean, if you just if you look for me, you will find me. I'm not I'm not hidden away anywhere. But TurnerMagic.com is a good starting point. Click and you will magically appear. <laughs> when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. No, I, it's it's been great. If if I can help anyone, I welcome people's LinkedIn connections. Uh, I welcome. I mean, we all have time. We've been we've been handed whether we want it or not time to be creative and strategic about how we want to go forward. I don't anticipate even if, if medically things were safe tomorrow, it's going to take some time for people to mentally get brave and willing to go to large gatherings again. So the way that I used to, to do business is a is it's probably a year away from those kinds of things again, but we have great opportunities now to learn from each other and collaborate with each other and do neat projects together. And who knows, who
1: knows what can happen? I mean, it's a frontier. We don't know. Exactly. And uh, the best way is to keep your eyes open and uh, keep your connections strong and, uh, and just keep moving forward. And, Absolutely. And, and your story really is a great one to uh, express that. So, uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. It really was a great journey that you've been on. And I think there's a lot of lessons in there that any business can, uh, can really learn from.
0: Well, just don't quit. And some days really stink, but I just focus on what you can control. That's the only thing any of us can do right now. And I can control choosing. To do one creative thing in a day one thing to meet new people one thing to package what i do differently for a different
1: audience you could do one thing in a day do one thing a very very good uh thought to uh to to wrap this conversation up with so thank you so much and everyone thank you for for joining us today and really i really hope you got a lot out of this one this is really Fantastic material for you to uh, to help grow your business. But go out, have a great day today, and we'll see you next time. This has been small business marketing, then and now, brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions,
0: marketing strategy for the small business owner. To learn more, click findnewrevenue.com.